what they say can't be done. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm Eastbound, just watch no bandit run. Keep your foot hard on the pedal. Some never mind them brakes. Welcome to Highway Freaks. Real truckers, real life. I'm Bry Guy, your road dog host. And standing by, my partner in crime, it's J-Man the Snarl, America's most unwanted, I might add. And of course, we have the Canadian lady trucker, Janet, and Wildman Will, the Calgary mother and son team, standing by with their topics as well. Of course, we're going to do part two of the Darby Mills Project. Uh, with Darby Mills herself, uh, the interview, uh, great interview, guys. And we're going to feature another five of her songs uh, from the past and the present. So uh, she's got some really good stuff. Uh, she actually just came up with a new video called House of Shadows. So uh, you'll definitely want to uh, get to the end of the podcast because uh, Bright Guys one-on-one bandwagon will feature the Canadian Scream Queen, Darby Mills, in part two. The first thing we're going to talk about, guys, hockey. Absolutely. The playoffs are on. Uh, not only do we have a playoff pool going on where you can win $500, we have 20 people in the pool, um, and so far, nobody has got any points in it, I might add, because none of the series have finished. Uh, we were hoping that Toronto was going to punch their ticket to the next round tonight. And they uh, they blew it. They 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 absolutely blew it. Uh, as usual, it's going back to Tampa Bay, and you could be rest assured that uh, we're probably going to be looking at maybe a game seven. But uh, Toronto lost tonight, and um, the other person uh, or the other team rather is the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they will probably punch their ticket to the. Uh, playing the Winnipeg Jets in Vegas. Uh, they're up three games to one. And the other one that uh, is almost finished, uh, it's very surprising, very shocking here, is the New Jersey Devils are uh, beating the New York Rangers. And that would be not even thought of um, because uh, it was actually selected that uh, the Rangers were actually going to roll over New Jersey, but that doesn't look like the case either. The big surprise, the most huge surprise, is the Seattle Kraken uh, can actually eliminate the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow night. And wouldn't that be crazy, a Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle if they do that? Um, that would be really quite a surprise. Another one that is uh, going six games is Dallas Stars, my Dallas Stars, I might add, that is going to uh, probably take out Minnesota Wild in Minnesota. And the other one we have is the Boston Bruins. They uh, thought they were going to beat Florida last night, but they didn't. So Florida is now going to game six tomorrow night. And the Carolina Hurricanes uh, thought they'd have an easy time with the Islanders, but it's going back to Long Island. So that game's going six. Everything seems to be going six games, which is uh, very rare, very rare. You don't normally get that in the first round of the playoffs. You usually get sweeps or, or whatnot. Um the other ones, of course, are the Oilers. They, um, I think they're going to become uh, the victors in Game 6 in L.A. Uh, they look like they're handling that quite well. So I think uh, the Oilers will get on to the second round uh, as well. So we'll get on to the topics. So 
J-Man, what are you going to talk about for topics tonight? Well, I got some crazy laws in Canada I am going to talk about. All right. Another, any other topic? I'm not right at this moment that I want to share. Okay. <laughs> Bring it, make it a surprise, eh? So, um, we are missing Motorhead Mark. Um, at the last moment, he had some personal business he had to attend to, and uh, he will be on next week. Uh, but speaking of podcast, podcast people, we need one more. And we are looking for a female podcaster, probably from the ages of 34 to 54. That's our, our range we want to look at. Now, we're not going to disqualify if we get a 30-year-old, but that's kind of the age range we're looking at. And I'm going to personally put out $50 right now uh, to anyone that's listening to our podcast that can find that golden gem that will be able to take on our road crew. So, um, what do you think about that, Jay? I'll match that, 50. I'll throw 50 in, make it 100. Right on. Okay, so here's the rule. We're going we're gonna to make a big rule here. We're going to basically do it this way. Anybody, and that includes you, Janet, that includes you, Will, that also includes Mark when he gets back on the podcast. I'm sure he'll hear this this weekend. If you find me that person, I'm going to give you 10 podcasts. In other words, that person's got to be on for 10 podcasts, and then Jay and I will pay the $100 out. We are that confident that one of our highway freaks out there has somebody in mind that they're going to be able to put on the air with us, and um, we'll be able to, you know, increase our banter. So there's something we're going to do tonight as well. And speaking of topics, I'll just tell you my topics. We um going to talk about turmeric. I I love that, and um, I got Lady Trucker Janet to thank for that. I'll get into that story shortly. And we're also going to do Bride Guys Playoff Poetry. Okay? Didn't know I was a poet, guys, did you? And last but not least, we're going to continue with the urban legends. But I got so stuck on one urban legend, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the Black Angel statue of Oakland, Iowa. I actually put it on the... Um, my Facebook page, which I'm going to try and get on the Highway Freaks page, but if you have not checked it out, make sure you do, because it's a crazy, crazy story as well. Okay, and I'm going to tell you about a dog that bit off a guy's toe in the United Kingdom, and actually, it was a good thing. So, how about you, Will? What are you going to talk about? Well, I got a couple of, uh, I, well, I, I got two subjects right now. Uh, one of them, is uh, a Google hack. Um, so there's been uh, these. Well, I, I, I'll go. I'll go into it. But it, it, it's basically like um, stop using Google for your searches because there is uh, something wrong with that. And I will go into that later. But uh, my other subject is about Prince William and him winning uh, a settlement. Uh, for a hack that that had happened, and um, it it's a hack that involves. Oh, 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 so it's not it's, it's not going to go about uh, you know Prince Harry uh, getting his willy frozen. <laughs> no. Oh, oh my God! Oh, if you if you guys think that's a bestseller, like um, that that gives gives me a, a lot of hope for my book. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. <laughs> well, well. 
Now, I mean, if, if, if you're living in Calgary or Edmonton or any of these places, man, you, you should probably check out where, you know, most of this money is coming from because, I mean, it, it may sound fine and dandy and, oh, man, the, the stadiums will make so much money for the city and whatever, but we're still having to repay it back. It, like, if you do the math on that, it's going to take a, a, a good, you know, decade to pay that all off, you know? Yeah, and that's and, and in contrast to Edmonton's deal where Daryl Cates, the one billionaire that basically, you know, put all the money into the new arena, that was completely different than what uh, what Calgary got. So I could see I could see how people would be up in arms about that. So um, now my news article. <laughs> oh my gosh, I couldn't believe this when I heard it. This uh, this puppy, this seven month old puppy, chewed off this guy's big toe while he slept. But it saved his life, guys. Okay. Um, a UK man was horrified after discovering that his bulldog puppy, Harley, only seven months old, nearly chewed off his big toe, only to find later that his amputation might have saved his life. David Lindsay, age 64, claims his dog did him a favor, believe it or not, which occurred while he was asleep on the couch with his bulldog pup nearby. However, the Cambridge native, his nap was over when it was cut short after his wife just let out a blood-curdling scream. He says, I was asleep when my wife shouted, Dave, Harley's chewing your toe. I woke up to see a bloody, uh, this is just gross, a bloody stump where my big toe had been. Harley had chewed it so bad that it was now fractured, hanging off like a human chew toy. It was chewed down to the bone and cracked, so his wife quickly bandages the digit and gets him quickly off to the hospital, right? But the Brits there for nine days while they basically administer intravenous antibiotics to stop it from spreading to the bone. But then a shocking diagnosis is discovered. You see, Dave suffers from diabetes, and the reason he could not feel hardly biting off his toe like a chew toy is basically explained this way. Subsequent CT scans revealed that Dave suffered two blocked arteries, putting him in danger of actually losing his left leg due to a lack of blood flow that in that particular region. Thanks to Harley's uh, respiratory incision, Dave Lindsay is currently being assessed for stints, which would open up the arteries and restore circulation in his limbs. So in other words, losing a toe, paradoxically, might have prevented him from losing a leg. And so Harley nipped the problem in the nub. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, Jay? That's like major, major creepy. <laughs> so, you know, if Zephyr one night is chewing your toe and you don't feel it, then maybe you'll thank her. <laughs> well, I mean, dogs have been known to nip women in the breast that find out later they've got breast cancer. I mean, Right, some, right. Some dogs can just smell something off, right? It's crazy, crazy story. Well, I had, I had, I had a, I had a puppy um, that used to tease on my foot. I knew you would. <laughs> His name was Jake. His name was Jake. I remember. I'll never forget this. I woke up and I'm like, my foot is in agony, and I look down and here's this dog gnawing on my foot, blood everywhere. And, but he was just a dick. There was nothing wrong with it. Oh, okay. All right. 
um, far west, far east, you know, south. So they've got other ones that they do deal with. But any of the stuff coming up from going down and coming up from Mexico will be with Schneider. Good to know. They're also expanding the, uh, the rail line going across the river down Laredo. So it's going to be able to, we're going to be able to get stuff a lot faster in a lot more bulk, basically. Uh, and that should be done at the end of 2024. And Schneider actually plans on doubling the size of their container uh, ownership by 2030, I think. So right now they have 28,000 containers. So they'll double that to 56,000. Just a different way of uh, doing trucking for uh, a company like Schneider. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, everybody keeps complaining, oh, driver shortage, driver shortage. Well, you know, it's, it's going to take away from drivers. There will be a lot more short-haul stuff, you know, from the shippers to the railway, I imagine. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's quite interesting. So, do you have anything to add to that, Jay? Snyder, they're a huge company. Yeah, they are. So it, doesn't, it does not surprise me in the least that this came about. It really doesn't. Well, ironically, so Martin is actually larger when it comes to intramodal. Well, probably. But, uh, I mean, there's Snyder. Snyder's even in Canada. Yeah. They're in Calgary, they're in Vancouver, on Toronto. Well, I mean, they're all over. They run up here, but as far as their offices, I believe the one that used to be in Ontario is gone. Oh, I well, I know the Furnaby one. The Furnaby are still there. Oh, is that huge? It's yeah, I know. Awesome. I, don't, I don't remember ever seeing one in Calgary. So. I uh, don't. It's, uh. It's not a very big, big yard. It's more like a kind of like a drop yard. I've been oh there. yeah, okay. It's uh, it, it's kind of like just a uh, there's no office or or anything yeah. else there. Just a yard. It's an unmanned yard, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we're gonna get into a funny thing that I did. Um, sometimes I find things uh interesting when I'm sleeping, and I don't know. I just kind of. <laughs> trying to catch sleep last night. It was a little tough because I had this burrito guy. I'll call him the burrito guy. Yeah, the burrito I'm guy. A, I'm giving a black pylon shadow. Um, anyway, he uh, woke me up at 6 a.m. Uh, when I was delivering to ask me if I wanted a burrito. He was waking everybody up. Um, I've never seen that in my 30 years of truck driving. Uh, guy's got balls, man, because... Uh, I'll tell you, some of those truck drivers carry things called guns. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he woke me up, and I couldn't get back to sleep, so I was up, and I didn't know what the heck I was going to do, so I decided to do some poetry. So, and this is how it goes. The Toronto Maple Leafs can end 20 years of grief when they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are looking a bit frightening, although we know that didn't happen tonight, by the way. The Florida Panthers will look like dancers when in Game 6 they put the Boston Bruins in ruins. The Dallas Stars will be going quite far in Game 6 against the Minnesota Wild, who are looking kind of meek and mild. 
The New Jersey Devils will make things more levels when they beat the New York Rangers crying in their mangers. The Seattle Kraken can send the Colorado Avalanche packing Friday night at the Climate Pledge Arena, where the crowds are like a rabid hyena. The Carolina Hurricanes will give the New York Islanders more pains to win game six because they have the best hockey sticks. The Edmonton Oilers will become the LA Kings foilers in game six in LA to advance to the second round to start a better day. And the Winnipeg Jets will be in lots of frets when the Las Vegas Golden Knights give them many frights. And that's your Bright Guy Poetry Minute. Man, I wonder what you would have come up with if the guy offered you a steak. <laughs> <laughs>
Wow, that was a great song. I, I didn't know an environmental song could uh, sound like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, Monkey's a great song. Yeah, it's, it 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 was very pleasant for sure. Um, so on to my first topic, and it has to do with Google. Now, there's Iranians that made made some malware that they implanted within Google. So now everybody that uses Google Chrome, Google anything, um, has had their passwords and all their information fed back to these hackers that have um, uh, in, uh, inputted the malicious uh, file. And it, and by the way, um, I wouldn't be talking about this right now if, if, if it wasn't so serious, but this apparently, uh, Google has just admitted that this has been going on for at least a year, if not, if not longer. So, you know, think back to how, how much information you've put out in the last at least year. And, you know, stop using Google Chrome because it is not safe right now. Um, these people, they, they, they have no morals. They don't care. Um, some of them, you know, you, 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 some could say that they have a beef with Google, which I'm like, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but, um, this isn't, uh, an attack because of beef. This is literally them stealing, uh, people's information through, uh, Google Chrome browsers. So it's, it's basically a file that has been injected into, um, you know, the, 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 the site and known as, you know, I, I guess cross-site scripting. And, you know, everything is, is just, um, really, really weird right now. Um, it's, to me, this is weird because you would think that as soon as they know about it, you know, they would release details of, you know, at least that, you know, there, there is this file inside. And, you know, I think the reason why they haven't though is because it's more than one file. There's, you know, multiple, multiple that have been found. So, you know, anywhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 40 files. And that's kind of serious because, you know, uh, you, you think, okay, I, I find one malicious file, delete it. Uh, you still got another one and then another one and then another one. So, um, yeah, it's it just be very cautious when, when using Google. And um, if you are going to, I, I probably won't be right now. I've pretty much made the full switch over to chat GPT, but we're not going to go into that right now. Um, if, uh, if you do need to use Google for anything, uh, try to use, uh, your incognito browser. It's, it's better than nothing if you don't have a VPN. And, uh, you know, just, just be weary of, you know, the site asking you for all of a sudden permission for, for something or other, because it, it's not Google that's asking you, it's literally the hackers that are inside of Google right now. Just another one of those things in this computer age that we would never have to worry about 20 years ago, and now it's become part of our DNA. Yeah, it sure has, and we're going to see a lot a lot more of this, especially from companies like Google. I, I mean, uh, you know, Hank Fordham was the one who exposed Google Nest um, in, in them not wanting to implement, well, them taking so long to implement two-factor authentication, and 
basically leaving all of their nest cameras open for, you know, people in the public, um, meaning like, you, you know, hackers that just want to spy in on, you know, your family for whatever reason, it's, it's creepy, but yeah, I, I don't know. Google doesn't really have a, have a good, good rep for, um, should I say security? You mean, you mean a moral compass? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, typical, typical computer stuff, right? Yep. Those, those moral compass people. So, but, you know, you're a nine, so we, we, we don't, we won't include you in that. <laughs> uh, hey there, Mr. Snarl Man. Hey man, you got an honor. You got a topic that you want to get out and tell everybody about the highway freaks? Yes, I do. And one of them is the reason I'll never move on, move, move to, uh, Alberta. Two reasons. Alright, but I'll get to that in a second. Weird laws in Canada. Now these are some really weird, <laughs> weird, weird laws. In British Columbia, it is against the law to shoot Sasquatch. Oh, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. So tell our, so tell our, you know, if he wants to come on up. Uh, in Alberta. In Alberta. And, you know, there's no point in, for, for me even moving there now because, uh, it is against the law to set fire to somebody's wooden leg. <laughs> I mean, where's the fun? Where's the fun, man? Where is the fun? Uh, it is also against the law in Alberta to paint a wooden ladder. What? Uh, no. <laughs> it is against yeah. the law to paint a wooden ladder. Uh, don't ask me. Um, they got something about it would it would cover up uh, that the, the the ladder's no good. I mean, okay, I can see that, uh, but the wooden leg thing, man, I mean, that just kind of ruins it for me. Um, in Port Coquitlam, D.C., it is against the law to own more than four rats. <laughs> in Ontario, in Toronto, in Toronto, Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday is fine, but on Sundays, you cannot drag your dead horse down Young Street. <laughs> Man, what a damn shame. <laughs> I know, man. Like, uh, in New Brunswick, in New Brunswick, it, it is against the law to have a cow in your house. And, no, but you cannot drive cattle before or after 8 a.m. So, um, in Toronto, if you skip out on a bill, you grab your stuff and you do a midnight move and you you bail on the hotel, it's perfectly okay for the hotel owner to sell your horse. <laughs> <laughs> These are laws that are still on the books. Um, and here's a really crazy one. And it, ha it was, it, this is Canada-wide, and uh, it was obviously not in, in, um, enforced after in the 70s and the 80s. But up until... From 1940 until 19, or no, 20, 2018, it was against the law to sell, own, or transport comic books. Um, wow. I, I like this segment. I think you should, should come up with more research because I, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even done yet, man. He's barely, you call it against the law with, with the snarl. <laughs> in Esquimalt, again, it was repealed in 
2019, obviously it wasn't enforced. It was against the law to throw snowballs in the city of uh, Esquimalt. Oh, oh, wow. In, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the town. I didn't write it down. But it's also on Vancouver Island. It is against the law for you to, ha for you to have a loud swearing parent. <laughs> I don't even ask me where that one came from. But, uh, it makes you wonder, uh, do they arrest the kids you because can get the parents swear? <laughs> Ha, <laughs> 
In recent years, however, there has been a bounty of scientific research supporting its strong anti-inflammatory and antioxidant benefits. It also has become popular in anti-aging and skincare regimes. So, I'm going to give you eight scientifically proven health benefits of turmeric. First of all, number one, it combats harmful inflammations. Turmeric is perhaps the strongest natural anti-inflammatory. Uh, it's combating harmful inflammations. Turmeric is perhaps the strongest natural anti-inflammatory nutrient on Earth. The powerhouse compound, which offers protection at its molecular level, matching the effectiveness of some commonly used anti-inflammatories without the related side effects. You don't get side effects when you take turmeric, contrary to anybody trying to tell you that. It doesn't happen. Okay, number two, cellular age-fighting antioxidant. You are only as young as the health of your cells. While it's natural for the trillions of cells in your body to age over your lifetime, science shows your lifestyle and the environment contribute to how quickly the evolution occurs. Potent antioxidative compound properties of turmeric help to neutralize free radicals and beef up the body's cellular defenses. Therefore, taking it, you don't age as fast and you don't look as old, Jay, I might add. So, you might get some youth back. What are you, what are you, say, what are you saying there, Bry Guy? Well, the last picture you and I took together, we could have been at a, at, at, at a uh, uh, retirement home. Let's put it that way. <laughs> look good, buddy. It really didn't. So I'm looking forward to you trying turmeric and getting some youth back. Oh, so, so, it's, so it's all my fault. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, you're a sick. You're a sick. So, number three, strengthening <laughs> cardiovascular health. Extensive research has shown, shown the elevated levels of an inflammation marker called C-reactive protein, CRP, is a strong indicator of cardiovascular risk. However, brand new breakthrough research has found turmeric can lower these levels of CRP by an amazing 32%. Not only that, turmeric can significantly lower triglycerides, another major cardiovascular risk factor, and this amount can be another 47%. So in other words, bottom line, it can prevent a heart attack or help maintain your health against a heart attack. So that's something I never knew. Did you know that, Janet? I did. Yeah, and uh, turmeric also has anti-carcinogenic uh, properties as well. So uh, back in the day when I was uh, taking uh, the OSBP, which is uh, a certification, um, the the technique was brought back from the Philippines. I'm sure mom knows all this information, but um, coconut oh, she, oil. She's Mrs. Turmeric, man. If you mix it with uh, MCT oil, which is coconut oil, and medium chain triglycerides, and add pepper to it, uh, the, the the pepper will assist with a um, uh, a better uptake of it. Yeah, that's that along with your is that along with your your gummies. <laughs> that, that, that's actually called golden paste, and it's actually good for dogs. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to get back to this, guys. Um, but thank you for that feedback. Okay, so number four, protecting against cognitive decline. Or, or, yeah, that's how it's pronounced. A recent landmark study found that turmeric promotes the production of brain 
Oh, you're going to love this, Jay. Uh, the production of brain-derived neurotropic factor, BDNF, a growth hormone responsible for, for youthful brain function, which leads to improved memory and sharper thinking as you age. Okay, um, Jay, um, I'm just going to interject. Do you want to tell the freaks what you did with a blender the other day? Oh, you're going to bring that up. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. 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 Now. Apparently, I need turmeric. Do they sell it by the Do they sell it by the gallon? Because according to you, I got faith in it. <laughs> you shooters! My God. Okay, I'm making pancakes. I'm making pancakes in the truck with my blender. Um, okay. <laughs> shut up, Brian. It is funny, but okay. Um, don't take the lid off and turn it on. Another one that blew me out of the water is eases digestive discomfort. 
Scientific studies show that turmeric, anti-inflammatory benefits, can aid in promoting health digestion as well. So in one study, turmeric was associated up to 25% reduction in digestive discomfort with two-thirds of participants reporting overall improvement in digestive function. And last but not least, it has a brighter, healthier skin. Turmeric has been shown to inhibit a key enzyme that can reduce elastin formation in the body. Elastin in tandem with collagen in the skin maintains structural proteins responsible for smooth, plump, supple skin. Clinical studies have shown that turmeric's antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory effects can improve acne issues in teenagers on the face, uh, the back, and chest. Even people with eczema uh, skin condition, turmeric can actually improve that as well. Other benefits of turmeric, uh, we'll just run into this real quick. Turmeric is an anti-inflammatory, we've already mentioned. Um, it actually is aiding in Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Depending on the severity of the condition, turmeric can actually alleviate some of the symptoms. It contains uh, a very important compound called curcumin, which I mentioned before, which is an excellent antioxidant. It can improve liver function, so the liver is a very important, uh, of course, organ in our body that stores extra nutrients and helps get rid of the toxic substance. And if you take turmeric, um, it basically what it does is it it's, uh, improves the function of the liver. Make a long story short, it's also been helped to uh, help the liver cirrhosis, a condition mostly alcoholics suffer from. But uh, if you take turmeric, the liver will function better. And it's a natural antiseptic. This blew me out of the water. There are several wounds that you can get, such as small open wounds, closed wounds, open building wounds. However, with small wounds, turmeric powder can be used as an antiseptic. It will help them heal the wound and clean it, and it makes an excellent choice for a natural antiseptic. So, um, and one more, if that wasn't enough, it can help prevent Alzheimer's disease. Turmeric can, not, uh, you can't cure it. But there are several scientific studies showing that it can prevent it. Alzheimer's disease are oxidative damage and inflammation. Turmeric relieves the oxidative damage in the brain and reduces inflammation. Another feature of Alzheimer's disease is the buildup of protein plaque. Turmeric intake has been basically shown to clear these up as well. Taking turmeric daily can help in preventing Alzheimer's, but it's not the be-all and end-all. It can just help a great deal. And, of course, we already talked about it being a natural painkiller. It can help in weight management. Um, it just goes on and on. And actually, if you suffer from BO, turmeric is uh, good for that. I mean, it just does everything. It helps psoriasis. Uh, I'm just blown away how many things uh, uh, turmeric does. So if you're not taking it, I'm hopefully convinced you to start taking it. Um, I know Will takes it. I know Janet takes it. And I think Jay is probably going to be a believer after listening to all these wonderful uh, things that Turmeric can do for his own self-worth and himself, of course. Well, I've heard of Turmeric. Um, it's a spice. People cook with it. Um, but I never knew it was a, like a vitamin. It's, it's, it's an amazing product. It is and so much more than a vitamin. It's, 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 it's almost like a, a, a super nutrient. Yeah, it, yeah. it's... Oh, it's okay. antiviral, antibacterial, antimicrobial. Yeah. So it works so on so many things. There's so many things in the natural healing that that works that people go, ah, oh, you know, oh, wise stuff. But no, there's there's a lot, a lot out oh. there that there's just like my crown, man. 
Yeah. It is my crack. I, I will take it every day to the day oh, I, I leave. I'm going I'm I'm to pick them up. I'm going to pick them up tomorrow. I'll give it a, I'll give it a shot. It's worth it. And you'll find after about two weeks, you'll have the full effect in your system. Right? Because they will take that to build in the system. That's but it does, it does, once you're on it, if you're taking it daily, um, it will definitely, because, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from someone who's had five back surgeries, a hip replacement, waiting for a knee replacement, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, if it works on my body and I'm not taking any pain relief, um, you know, then, yeah, it, it, it can do a lot. And get it with ginger root. That's the one you want to get, Jay. It's a turmeric with ginger oh, really? on it. Yes. It's more, it's more powerful than just normal turmeric with curcumin. Well, I, I don't know about that. Well, the, 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 I, I, I almost want to agree with that because in our mix of black human seed, ginger, uh, um, and whatever else, ginger literally helps to, uh, to uh, accelerate the flow of blood inside of you. So it like like it instantly you'll get warm, right? Yeah, and you have to watch too. Some of these if you if you're on um heart medications you have to watch. Because right. we'll send the blood. So from, yeah. If if you're on blood thinners, you have to be careful with stuff like ginger, turmeric, um, there's, there's two warnings to that, Janet. I'm, I'm glad you said that. The two warnings that my buddy suffers from blood clots in his leg, so he could never take turmeric. He, he gets them constantly. And that's a bad thing. And pregnant women. Those are two real bad uh, things for uh, against turmeric. But other than that, it's ground. So. As far as blood clots go, no. Um, garlic and turmeric would actually be a good thing, not a bad thing. Right, unless he's on like a bunch of blood centers, then yeah, maybe. But yeah, that, that, that can cause havoc. So, in the interest of time, we are going to go into another Darby Mills song. Um, I'm sure you guys probably, well, I know you probably would have heard the song "Brother Louie" by the Stories. Uh, they were an African American group back in the, geez, I think it was like back in the 1950s. And nobody's ever done a great remake of Brother Louie. Well, I'm here to tell you that Darby Mills not only did a great remake of Brother Louie, she just made it her own. And here she is with Brother Louie.
that was an amazing rendition of that song. I just loved it. Just amazing. Kind of like jazzy rock, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's so cool the way she did it. <laughs> so my next subject is uh, BC planning to implement speed limiters. They're now in the process of looking at statistics, of course, statistics, yeah, well, I beg to differ with some of them, but um, they're trying to reduce speed-related crashes and greenhouse gases. Um, this is going under Bill 23, uh, proposed to uh, change the Motor Vehicle Act in the last, this is from last week, uh, Bob C. Fleming is proposing it. It's not yet passed in the legislation. Um, they're, they're thinking that these are going to affect uh, the amount of pedestrians and cyclists that are getting hit and support enforcement of the regulations. Uh, BC Ministry of Transport and Infrastructure claims that it'll be cleaner air, less emissions, and claims to dramatically reduce speed-related crashes. Uh, of course, we already know uh, how well that's worked out in Ontario. You know, when we're looking at the two-lane roads, we're looking at, you know, the passing lanes and what happens, speed limiters there. Uh, I can only imagine what's going to happen coming through the mountains. Now, mind you, they are trying to twin them all, but coming through BC, there's still a lot of two-lane road. And I just see a nightmare ahead for that. Um, the BCTA, British Columbia Transport Association um, is for the move for limiters. Uh, they figure that it's going to help their enforcement. They claim that data shows dramatic decrease with at-fault accidents. Claims that lower fuel consumption. Um, they, but they're not taking into account that improperly limited trucks usually means uh, like when we're limiting these trucks, it usually means that they're limiting the power, not just the speed. So unless they're doing it correctly, we're going to have, again, issues. Um, yes, that's that's basically it. Uh, they're still looking at it. They still haven't passed it. So I don't know. My opinion is it's not a good idea. We already know the problems we're having in Ontario because of it. So, so what problems are they? Well, well, when we look at uh, the limit speed limiters in Ontario, uh, the speed limit there is 90 on the two-lane roads. Trucks are governed at 105, and basically <clears throat> Company A is maybe governing their trucks at 103, Company B at 105, Company C at 106, and Company D at you know 104. So you've got all these trucks jockeying for position in these passing lanes. Or the other scenario, when we have a passing lane, we've got a truck that's going, you know, 90 or 95 through everything, or sometimes even lower, 80, um, through the corners on the two lane. And then we get to the passing lane and suddenly full throttle all the way, you know, and it's impossible to pass some of them. So you there's a lot of road rage. A lot of road rage that I've seen yep. in Ontario because of it. I know. And I know it, it does nothing. That. It does nothing to. I mean, I remember before the limiters were out in Ontario, speed limit was 90. I guarantee.
key, I never went over 97 kilometers an hour out there. With the speed limiters now being at 105, oh yeah, foot to the floor, you're not getting pulled over unless you're doing over that. So, I don't know. I I ran at slower speeds without the speed limiter than I did with it. I, I do the big speed of 62, and uh, yeah. I, I got my foot to the floor all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, do me any good trying to pass the truck. So, I mean, you've got 62, so that's probably, what, 102, 103. Uh, 65 is 105, right? So, you know, you get two trucks. The one at 62 is a lighter truck, but the one at 65 is a little heavier truck. And they hit that hill, and, you you know, you're just constantly jockeying for place. It's got a problem. Yeah. Exactly. Well, my opinion on this, DC doing this, there's an election coming. Yeah. Okay. Right. Now, I love how they play the cleaner air. There's a little sticker on the side of every truck exactly. that says certified clean air. Now, what that means is every company has to maintain that standard on that truck. And another thing, why anybody even listen to what the BCTA has to say. All that outfit has ever done is take government money through our taxes and agree with the government. They've never done anything for the trucking industry. Um, I don't even understand why people join them. Like, they've never done anything for the trucking industry but go against them. They're absolutely useless organizations. Yeah, they're only there to make our lives more difficult, it seems, right? Makes you wonder, well, what, well, what, what did we ever do when, when we didn't have speed limiters? Uh, I think we all kind of used common sense and drove the appropriate speed, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, when was the last time you got a speeding ticket drive? Oh, dude, such a long time ago. I, I can't even remember. Oh, no, no, wait, wait, wait. I do remember, actually. It was with the company that Janet's with, and it oh. it. It was. It was actually on Thanksgiving in the United States in California when I tried to pass, and I was. And uh, well, those trucks went much faster, but I exceeded the speed limit by ten miles an hour. If you do that in California, you're you're ass is grass. Yeah, you're um, in trouble. You're in big trouble. And the ticket was insane, dude. It was like over four hundred dollars for doing eight miles over the speed limit. Wow.
I mean, if you think the government's out there for your best interest, like, give your head a shake. Um, this has all to do with vote because, it uh, because there will be an election coming quick. Yeah. Right. And, and there's nothing, there is nothing more uneducated about trucking than the general public. Exactly. Exactly. See, and, and the other they, issue. They don't do the research. Yeah. No, they do the research, right? And the other issue I have with speed limiters, and I know a lot of drivers haven't thought about this, but before we had speed limiters, we were able to control how much we earned. Now we have we a cap. We have a cap. We have we are no longer able to earn more. Say if we're running through Utah, Nevada, right? Where Nevada is 80 for the most part, right? And we're sitting there doing or six, between 60 and 65. You know, if they're going to limit us, then they need to go back to the old days when they paid us by the hour and they paid us for everything we did. For every hour we were behind the wheel doing our job. Sorry, that was that was my, my final say on the matter because that's the one thing that really... Well said. Me about this. <laughs> Very well said. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Okay, so um, just before my urban legend, I got a couple of them uh, of the United States. Jay, you got one more final topic, and Will, I think you got one more. Yeah, this next topic will be uh, pretty enlightening. All right. Most most people have heard of you know <clears throat> leaks coming from. The royal family and you know the royal family is like well you know this isn't true and whatever well news just broke that king charles tried to stop uh prince harry's hacking claim uh because prince harry uh claims that uh prince william just had a big huge settlement on a hack that happened to him and you know they've they've had a lot of controversy over the years um, you know, there, there, there was, uh, the latest controversy, of course, being, you know, the Jeffrey Epstein list and, you know, uh, people in the royal, uh, of the royal family being on that list. But, uh, here's the thing, right? If you're on a list for anything that is disgusting, you're probably going to get hacked. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just uh, ironic how Prince William, which is the one who, who who has you know won the settlement um, has has had these issues as you know there have been names being talked about and his being one of them and uh, we all know Prince Harry you know kind of split off from the family um, for obvious reasons after you know their family was accused of um, pretty disgusting crimes but. Um, you would be surprised was in that hack and, uh, what, what it got settled for, right? Um, so, <laughs> basically, uh, father, uh, paid hush money, right? And, 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 uh, to, to, to try to cover this up. But at, at the end of it, um, the, the claims that Prince Harry, uh, are, are making towards Prince William are, are 100% correct. And uh, I'm not going to go into as much detail as I would like to, 
because I, I, I feel like um, the publicity that's going to be coming out of, uh, out of this will far outdo what I know. But let me just, ju- just fill you guys in a little bit, right? So there have been, you know, messages going to and from proving that, you know, uh, not, not naming names right now, but elite people have been paying for illegal activities let's just say um and you know there's there's more lists to come out there's there's more stuff to come out and yeah the, the I, man me personally i don't like the royal family like don't even get me started on 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 why i don't like them but this this has a lot a, a lot to do with it and it's it, it's funny that the family tried to stop this from from reaching the public and they've been trying for for a while but you know um it, 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 this is just kind of all, all funny. I do have some good news for you, Jay. You're in a four-way tie for top first place because uh, Vegas is winning four nothing, and you picked them in five. Right on. So you, uh, you're in, but there's there was actually three other people that uh, picked them in five as well. But you oh. tied with those three. But that's still good. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. That. Looks like that series is going to end because it's only 9:52 left. Okay, all right. So, um, ahead of my my last topic, Jay, you got one more thing to talk about. An eight-room farmhouse was purchased in San Jose. By the time 1922 rolled around, it had it was 24,000 square feet, had 10,000 windows, 2,000 doors, 150 rooms, 52 skylights, 47 stairways, and fireplaces. 17 chimneys, 13 bathrooms, and 16 kitchens. You know what I'm talking about? I've heard of that. The Winchester Mystery House. Ah, now, old Sarah Winchester. That wasn't her full name, but a very wealthy lady. Um, She married the heir to the Winchester Firearm Company. Um, Now, she had a daughter, and her daughter had died of a childhood illness, and uh, roughly 10 years later, her husband would die from tuberculosis. Now, she was a a great believer in mediums and stuff like that. Well, she contacted various mediums because she believed she was cursed. And uh, we all know mediums aren't crooked. Um, Well, these people convinced her that she was being tormented by people killed by Winchester gun. Couldn't be any other gun. It had to be the Winchester gun. And she was told that she was to move out west and purchase a house and uh, continue building. Now, there's no plans to the house. Zero. None. Um, This was all done through so-called spirits. Spirits would, would tell her through medium on what to do, and she would do it. Um, construction started in 1886 and would not stop until Sarah's death in 1922. Um, there are hallways that go nowhere. There are secret stairwells. Um, there are staircases that go up to the ceiling and end. There are doors that open into walls. Um, there are, they actually are still finding rooms to this day. They actually just found uh, an attic, an attic room full of stuff. Um, she honestly, she would hold seances daily 
while the construction was going on to get more plans on what to do, and she would do it. She would tell her workers what to do. Um, she wouldn't stay in, uh, she wouldn't sleep in the same room every night as uh, with fear that the spirit, the bad spirits would follow. Um, she would move throughout the house to different rooms through secret chambers, um, secret staircases that only she knew about. Again, they're, they're finding new ones all the time. Um, she spent five and a half million dollars on this house. <laughs> now that's the equivalent of 500, and 500 million in our, in today's money. Um, guess what the house sold for after she died? Take a wild guess. I'm going to guess in the brain. $120,000. What? That was what the house was sold for. Um, the reason for it is when she died, um, again, crooked speculators, I mean, we all know they're honest, um, deemed the house worthless. So a guy bought it for $180,000. And what he did, what he did is he immediately took everything out of the house. Everything. Everything was taken out of that house. Um, and uh, because it was uh, left to Sarah's niece, who was obviously told that this house is worthless, blah, 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 blah. So she was forced to sell everything. And uh, this guy was a visionary. He he helped clear all the stuff out of the house did, and did, did some things to it um, that needed to be done. And uh, opened it immediately to the public. And it's been open for over 100 years to the public. The yeah, only thing that's that different, the only thing that is different is if you look at pictures, if you look at the older pictures, you'll notice that the house is taller. Um, what had happened, there was an earthquake and three floors, it was originally seven stories high. Um, three floors were demolished during this earthquake. But what saved this, uh, this house is it was built on a floating foundation. It's not a solid foundation. Um, I don't know why they did that, but it, if there's an earthquake, it absorbs the shock, and that's what had happened. Um, they only ended up having to remove three floors. Yeah, it's a really interesting place. Um, it's worth over $71 million today. Um, it's, it, 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 apparently, it's annually 12, 12 million people visit this place annually. I mean, that's a lot of people going to see this. Um, I want to see the movie because apparently Helen Mirren did, did uh, play uh, Sarah in a, in a movie that was done not too long ago. And I really want to see that. Um, but yeah, that is a, it's considered a, it's considered a, uh, an architectural wonder. It had hot and, run, hot and cold running water and indoor plumbing back then, uh, which is rare for the 1800s. Um, it had uh, gas lighting that you could push on and off. You didn't have to go around and light light the light the gas lanterns. And the gas lanterns are some of the gas lanterns are still in place at the house. Not a whole hell of a lot has been changed. Wow. Yeah, I've heard of that. Something else. I really, it's in San Jose, and I would just love to go and see it. I, I guess I would definitely. Um, did you ever see a movie called Rose Red? Even King. <sighs> Okay, well, the original, when he did that movie, he was originally going to do it at the Winchester movie, at the Winchester uh, um, 
mystery house, but he didn't like the house. That gave him the creeps. So yeah, he got he didn't like the feeling he got in that house. So kind of like Tefar calling the kettle black. <laughs> um, yeah, well, Stephen King's a weird guy, anyway. Um, he really is. He, he, he's really an odd duck. I guess that's why he writes so good. I don't care for a lot of his movies, but um, his books are really good. We'll get you to do uh, maybe a biography on him. He's a pretty wild guy. Um, I don't, uh, I don't believe in his po- believe in his politics, but I don't like the guy for his politics. I like him for his books. He has some pretty uh, outlandish theories on politics, man. <laughs> okay, whatever, man. Um, his books are awesome, though. Yeah, they are. You know, uh, sadly, they just can't seem to make. I mean, there's been a few of his movies that were really good that I like, but most of them I don't even bother watching because they usually turn out to be a letdown. But that's my topic. Well, that was uh, that was good. That was really good. Well, everybody, run out to buy tickets. You didn't talk about the ghost of.
the urban legends. I usually just do like three or four urban legends, but this one kind of stopped me in my tracks. Um, the Black Angel of Oakland, Iowa. Uh, I'll talk about the 100 Step Cemetery first. It was located in the town of Brazil, Indiana, although the official address is disputed. This actual haunting goes back to the 1860s. The legend states that if someone finds himself in this particular cemetery at midnight, why you would be at midnight in a cemetery, I'll never know, they must climb the steps and count to 100. At this point, a ghost of the undertaker and we're not talking about the one in the WWE, will appear and show the person a vision of their death. On the way back down the steps, the visitor is supposed to count the steps again. If they count the same amount of steps, the vision was false. If they count more steps, the vision is true. However, people who have visited the 100-step cemetery have tried to outsmart the supernatural forces by avoiding counting and walking up the steps altogether. But as they attempt reports being knocked or shoved to the ground by an unseen force have happened and have been reported. Now I'm going to get into the Black Angel of Iowa. This, this of all the urban legends, this just fascinated me to know when. Um, a statue of a black angel is in an Oakland, Iowa cemetery. It stands, now the reports are so funny because it goes from anywhere from 8 to 11 feet tall. Although the actual, actual uh, height of the statue is nine feet, it's blackish gray, and from years of oxidation, they say that's how it happened. It sits upon a four-foot pedestal, but beside it, ironically, is like this stump of a tree right behind, beside this massive black angel statue. I'll get into that in a minute. One legend says that a pregnant woman should never walk under her or she'll lose the child. Others say that if you touch or even kiss the statue, you'll be dead within six months. Many people have died from the statue. Reports say it has actually been there since 1912. Another weird thing is the black angel appears to turn a dark shade darker every Halloween to mark the ones that they have killed from the curse. Now, the true story, somewhat. Teresa Dolezal Feldiver was born in 1836 in Strimov, Bohemia, where she became a practicing physician. Teresa and her son, Eddie Dolezal, moved to Iowa City, where she worked as a midwife. Their stay in Iowa City lasted until 1891, when Eddie, who aspired to be a doctor, mysteriously died of meningitis at age 18. He was then buried in the east half of Lot 4 and Block 9 at the Oakland, Iowa Cemetery, but he's been since uh, actually transferred. Um, his remains remain under a tree stump that uh, Teresa had erected uh, as a grave marker. Then she moved to Eugene, Oregon, where she married Nicholas Feldiver, who then died in 1911. And Nicholas was a rancher, so Teresa inherited $30,000. Now, back then, that is the equivalent of $500,000 today. So she was a very well-to-do woman when Nicholas kicked the bucket. Following her husband's death, she returned to Iowa City, and she hired a bohemian artist to design a $5,000 monument to tower over the remains of her son and the ashes of her husband. The angel statue arrived on a flat car in Iowa City on November 21, 1912. Teresa herself died of cancer, and her ashes were buried as well as with her husband and son. The most interesting thing about this is because Teresa had no heirs, but if you actually look at the, uh, the stone, 
that's uh, uh, you know underneath the statue, it says her you know the year that she was born, but then there's a hyphen and there's no year of her death. It's kind of crazy. Um, the very night after Teresa's burial, there's a violent storm, and it's said that the lightning strike from it turned the statue black. It's interesting to also note that mostly all angels' graves are usually positioned with their head like looking up to the heavens as a symbol of eating the people going to heaven. However, the black angel's face is creepy looking down toward the ground and her wings are not uplifted. She's actually looking down upon the tree stump grave of the sun. And I'm telling you, if you go to my Facebook, you'll see a YouTube video and it'll just freak you out. It's uh, really creepy. Constant stories blame evil behavior, infidelity, to even murder within Teresa's family. Now, um, in the 1980s, several studies from the University of Iowa heard the legend surrounding the Black Angel statue at the Oakland, Iowa Cemetery. Many believe the stories were just made up to scare the kids away from the statue. Uh, the teens, a bunch of teens actually decided to fear one another by defacing the statue. So one student agreed to remove a piece of the statue that night and display it to the group the following day. If he agreed without, if he basically, or if, if, if he appeared rather, without injury, and with the piece that he took off, it would prove the legend was false. The following day, however, the student didn't show up. His friends traveled to the state and discovered one of his thumbs had been broken off. And if you actually look at the pictures, if you Google it, you can see it, the thumbs have been broken off. But there were still no signs of their friend. So days went by and still no signs of their missing friend. One week later, a body was found hundreds of miles away in the Chicago River. It was their friend. And police determined the student was killed by strangulation. Here's the weird part. There were no, there was no basically leads pointing to a suspect at the time. And around the, the friend's neck was a deep imprint of what appeared to be a thumb. Okay. Hearing the news, the students rushed back to the Oakland, Iowa cemetery, and there at the base of the statue was the black angel's missing black thumb piece. Others have reported a black cloaked figure walking around the grounds at night around the statue, believed to be the ghost of Teresa Feldenberg. Um, a couple kids basically started urinating on it, and then the other kids joined in, and they all, you know, thought that was great fun. They got in their car. What do you think happened to them, Jay? They were in killed. flames and ran around on fire. Yep, they were killed. I don't think they burst into flames or whatever, but they were killed. Oh, I know. I had like a, I had like to add to the dramatic. There's many reports, many, many reports of these things happening. When I was watching the YouTube videos, um, this, this this guy with this wife and two small kids, they, you know, they're out on a Sunday drive and they're going to go see the statue. And, and all the one kid goes, Dad, no, it's not it's not evil. It's not bad. No, I can touch it. No, no, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Right? And um, but he wouldn't touch it. Nobody would touch it. Nobody would touch it. Oh, whatever. I was talking to my mom, and it was so funny. My mom goes, okay, if you're going to take Bandit there, make sure he doesn't touch it. I said, Mom, it's not my plan to go see this black statue. First of all, I avoid cemeteries at all costs, okay? And if you think I'm going to go see a black statue with this kind of curse above it or information surrounding it, and you think for one minute I'm going to touch it, uh, uh, uh. 
homie, don't play that guy. <laughs> that ain't gonna happen. Absolutely not. But you will see, oddly enough, you'll see trinkets, you'll see aisles, you'll see coins uh, of people that are that feel that they have to appease the statue to continue a good life. But they do say that if you touch it, you are dead within uh, basically a matter of minutes. And the other thing is if you touch it on Halloween, you're actually kind of preserved by seven years. You're going to die within seven years. So pretty creepy stuff, pretty wild stuff. So um, that's my uh, summation on the urban legends, and I'll get more into it next week. Wow, I like that. Isn't that wild? I, would have, uh, that was cool. I, I, I gotta go there. I gotta go there. I gotta go yeah. check this out. <laughs> Just get I ain't watching it. I ain't watching it, but I'd like to get a. I'd like to get a couple of pictures of it. Um, it's it, you can see lots of it on on YouTube. Uh, check yeah. out my Facebook. Uh, it's it is pretty wild. It is pretty crazy. Um, and even even the name, which I couldn't believe, because it says Rudina Feldutova. And you're going, what's that? It's actually, it means the Feldevert family in Czechoslovakian. So, and then there's oh, this really? really crazy inscription, and I won't read it to you. I'll let you figure that out. But it's really, really creepy when you read this inscription, when it's, it's translated from um, Czechoslovakian. And it actually does, you can Google it, you can find out the English translation, but it'll it'll put hairs on, on the top of your back. And it's crazy. It really is. So, so... The question is, is it a legend or is there some truth? And does Teresa's ghost roam the Oakland, Iowa cemetery around her statue? I believe it to be true. I think so. I think there's oh, always I love some that truth. Kind of shit, yeah, I think there's always some truth behind those. Yeah, I, I love that creepy stuff. And Jay, if you tell us cemeteries. I like cemeteries. You're, you're gonna get into hot water. I'm not I am not touching nothing.
Okay, we're back. Um, I want to shout out. I have one. A driver named John. I met him at a truck stop in, uh, uh, what's the name of that? It's the Loves in, uh, it's in Oklahoma on, uh, just off 287 there. I can't remember. Anyway, anyway, I'm talking to this guy and uh, his name's John. He's, uh, he's uh, a little older than me. Uh, tanker driver out of Florida, and we were talking about, about, uh, uh, podcasts. And I didn't mention anything about ours or anything. And he was telling me about these goofy Canadian guys, uh, that he's just started listening to. Um, and he said, he, he said, it's called Highway Freaks. And I started laughing. I said, you know what? I said, uh, that's, that's, that's me and Dry Guy. <laughs>
So yeah, so uh, if you want to make a quick $100, uh, just send us that person. You can email us uh, and uh, we'll get in touch with them by cell phone or text uh, or even email and uh, we'll get them on our podcast. And as long as they are on for 10 podcasts, Jay and I will pay out $50 each to that person that recruits the next female podcaster of Highway Freaks. Okay, so now without further ado, we have the Darby Mills interview that I did uh, with Darby, the Canadian Screen Queen of Canada. Uh, love this interview. Uh, so, so informative and Darby is, is just such an, an information load um, from the music business and um, you're going to love this part too. This is Bry Guys One-on-One Bandwagon with Darby Mills. All right, so um, just before we get into the story of how you got fired by the head pits, I want to talk about what happened in Montreal, Quebec, because that is kind of significant that leads up to your your canning moment. Um, So what exactly happened? Uh, You know what? I'm not exactly... Lots of things happened. Uh, I'm not exactly sure on which uh, events you're speaking of. Okay, uh, I'll refresh your memory. You were in Montreal, Quebec, and uh, you were you had ZZ Top with you on, on the card, and I think that was part of the Lock Your Sons tour, Lock Up Your Sons tour. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that's what it was. I, I, I caught it on one podcast interview. And anyway, uh, you guys were wanting to do an encore, and ZZ Top didn't allow you to do that, and the fans were going nuts. They were slamming their their hands and uh, their feet on the stands and the seats. And you guys were below in a, in a dressing room. You were eating uh, finger sandwiches or something. And uh, <laughs> the uh, the asbestos <laughs> from the ceiling was coating your sandwiches. And you're going, holy crap, that's for us, right? Just that alone, um, even though you didn't do the encore, you, you're like, hey, you know, we, we we outperform these guys. You know, like, and you did that a lot, Darby. I must admit, like, you you outshone a lot of the, the main bands. Uh, I know that. Um, we did our best. You sure did. You sure did. When when the Headpins concert was put on, you kicked ass. You literally did. So then it led to Calgary. So maybe there's friction with with CC Talk, you guys, and then you actually do an encore. Tell me about that. Well, the ZZ Top Tour, I think we did eight eight shows. We did their their Canadian leg, and we were scheduled to do their American leg as well. Um, they weren't very kind to us at the time. They did not give us an encore the whole tour. Um, and in uh, the, it was either Montreal or Quebec that the incident that you had just described happened. And yeah, the, they put the house lights on. The minute we left the stage, they put the house lights on, and the crowd would go wild every night. That was at our height of heights. We were we were so together at that particular time of the band. And um, so yeah, the asbestos was dropping down on our deli trays, and and uh, but it was all in in my opinion, it was like wow, this is even better than an encore because the crowd is going crazy for us. And uh, so here we are in Calgary, which was at the time the Headpins' strongest market. We went gold alone in Calgary, and uh, we had played there six, seven, eight, nine times. And every time we sold the stage, it was—I've got 
articles that prove it, uh, newspaper articles that, that claim Hickens are back. Can they really do it? Is it too soon? And then the day after, she did it again, which um, is what they said. That's not what I'm saying, but <laughs> anyway, I take pride in that. But uh, so there we are in Calgary at the Saddle Dome. We finished, they had cut our set quite short. We were, I think we were only doing a 45 minute set at the time. And uh, we, we finished, we were walking off the stage and as usual, the house lights didn't go on. And it's like, the house lights are on. What's going on? And we looked out in the audience and, and the, the whole Coliseum, uh, everybody had lighters at the time. It wasn't phones. Everyone had a lighter lit. It literally had lit the room enough that it was light in the room, but it wasn't the house lights. It was people and their uh, their lighters. And I'm like, they finally have decided to let us take an encore. I Actually, I didn't decide that. It was decided for us by probably too loud. And so back up we went, crawled back up on the stage. I think we did People, which is like a 10-minute song. I'm not sure, can't remember. Left the stage, walked to our dressing room, pumped, cool. and all of a sudden the dressing room door slams shut. And it's like, what? Who's that? And it was our road manager. And he said, we messed up. And it's like, what do you mean we messed up? They gave us an encore. And I was like, nope, they didn't give us an encore. The house intercom went down, and they couldn't get to the guy on the switch. So you put the show, or we, I guess, put the show over by however many minutes. It's a union gig. They are going to have to pay extra union fees. They're not happy. We just lost the American tour. Wow. Yeah. So you're on, you're on such a high, and then someone just such a low. <laughs> oh my gosh! No kidding! No kidding! And uh, and then three days later, you're in Vancouver, and you get the call. Or did you get yeah. the call, or did you actually get face to face? I got a call. Uh, actually, my my husband got a call, who uh, was a co-manager of the Hankins until they found out we were an item, and then they let him go. Or he actually had the choice to. Uh, walk away or walk away from me. And so uh, right. we'll be married 40 years next year, and I think you made a good choice. Anyway, thank you. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, we finished that show. We were on our way to Vancouver for two shows in Vancouver for two nights, and there was a stop at a restaurant in the middle of the night. There was a conversation had that... Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if I've told this this conversation uh, publicly or not before, but what the heck? Uh, we were all sitting at a, a late-night diner, grabbing a bite to eat after the show, and even though ZB Talk had been extremely harsh to us, I still appreciated who they were and the fact that people were buying, thousands of people were buying tickets to this, and we were lucky enough to be on the bill is how I saw it, and grateful enough to be on the bill, even though they were being jerks. And um, the comments were coming from a particular individual that this sucked, they did that that sucked, and that sucked, and they played tracks, and that sucked, and they weren't very good as a band, and they sucked, and this sucked, and that sucked. And the words just came out of my mouth, you know what? I think the 100,000 people that we just played for in the past three weeks or two weeks think differently. And I got the cold, dark stare. And, yeah, two days later, I got a call.
call from my then manager saying, we need to have a talk, bring your husband. And it was at that point that I found out that I was no longer the singer for the headpins. And that was the bad news. But the good news was is that the American deal that we were signed to with MCA, um, they actually didn't want to continue on with the headpins without me. They wanted to continue on with me as a solo artist. So it was kind of a mixed idea that day of what just happened. So now, now this is where it kind of gets foggy. What happens after that? Um, I've, I've heard uh, conflicting stories where you're off to L.A. right away. Uh, is that the case, or do you recall that, what, what happened? Um, I, I was. I, I, um, I went down there for about a month. I lived at the... Uh, I lived at, at the representative from the record company's house with his wife and children. For a month, I was supposed to be doing some writing um, uh, for the new album. I got a few ideas done, and we found a couple songs I listened to. I don't know, I'd sit at MTA, which is on the Warner, um, pardon me, uh, uh, Studio City uh, a lot. The, um, Oh goodness, it's been so long since I've told the story. Anyway, I was I was where they film all the movies and stuff. That's where their office was. So very distracting. Um, at the twenty uh, twenty five maybe yes, in my twenty fifth year, I think I was down there. I'd spent very little time in L.A. It was yeah, I had a car. Um, I really did do a lot of oh my god, I'm in L.A. I'm going to check this out, check that out. I'm on the Universal Studio lot. That's where it was. Uh, actors it was very very distracting and hard to um, to focus but did a little um, came home got the call going to Eel Pie or pardon me I went to Ridge Farm Studio first and then to Eel Pie which is Pete Townsend Studio um, so went over there for uh, approximately a month and recorded with Greg Walsh which was one of the producers of the Private Dancer album for Tina Turner. Um, I had Tina Turner's guitar player play on it. I had Tony Levin, one of the best, most renowned bass players in the world, play on the six tracks that I had done. I had a Sharingi player from Santana. I had a conga player from Santana. A drummer from Red Seven. Who else? Um, just, just this lineup of incredible artists had performed on the six tracks that I got done. And then got sent home because I needed to have four more tracks finished to do some writing. And I'd go back over and finish. And when I got home, I'd been there for about two, maybe three weeks. And we got a call from Eel Pie saying, we're having a hard time getting in touch with MCA. Is there a reason why they're not returning our calls? And we're like, uh, no, <laughs> but we'll give them a call and find out, you know, so called down and found out that the gentleman who had kept me on as an artist was no longer employed at MCA. Uh, he, had been, he had been let go and the new head of artist representation, A&R, uh, would love to have a chat with us. And it's like, what? Uh, I did chat. Okay. So my then manager and I, at the time, jumped on a plane and flew down to Universal Studios, got on the lot, went into his office, and he proceeded to say, I'm going to break a female artist this year, and personally, I think it's between you, which they'd already spent about 120000 American on me so far with this recording, 
uh, and a young 16-year-old who's never performed live before, but I really like her, and her name is Tiffany. Yeah. And so we said, they're not going to let me go. They've got way too much money invested. So we said, yeah, well, no, we'd, we'd like to know what's happening right now before we go home because we've got lots of stuff we need to deal with. And so we went back to the hotel and got a phone call. I believe is how it happened. But I think they talked to my manager and not me and said, no, we're going to go with Tiffany. So I flew home, an unsigned artist. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Another kick in the nuts. Yeah, no, well, and then and then what happened after that is that um, I was told to go talk to Bruce Allen, which was my then manager's ex-partner, although they were still partners, but not partners. And um, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm feeling really low, and um, I'd like to hear what Bruce has to say about my opportunities. And uh, so I went into his office. First thing he says to me is, what is Brian McLeod doing to your voice? I can't stand it. It's so high. It's so loud. Like, stop already. I'm like, oh, have we made a mistake? <laughs> what, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And then he went on to say, why haven't you got an addition with Van Halen? If I was your manager, you would have had an addition. And um, I had been trying to get one, but my manager didn't think it was worth the call, I guess, because he never made it. Oh, and then I got told by Bruce, yeah, about a year ago, um, Keith Emerson called me up looking for the singer for the head pins. They wanted to get in touch with her. Did, did Sam ever tell you that? <laughs> nope. And I said, no, no, he did not. And uh, he said, ah, well, that's too bad. So finished the meeting feeling somewhat, you know, very dejected, let down, and fooled. And uh, two days later, my manager, who had got home from L.A. and took off for two weeks in Hawaii, <laughs> as I'm sitting in my bed sobbing that my life has fallen apart, he got home. And, of course, Bruce called him right away and told him that uh, I had been in to see him. So he called me and said, we're done. And now I no longer had a manager. <laughs> Unreal. Unreal. It's such a wonderful business. It, it is, and a lot of people don't really understand it. They they just think, you know, you, you sold a million copies of an album, and you know, you're driving around in glitz and glamour, and everything's just honky dory. And man, that's just not the case for you. Absolutely not. It's not the case for many. Um, it's not. And, and driving around in glitz and glamour, what people don't realize is that you pay for all that. Um, when you put an album together and get a record deal. There's such a thing, I'm not sure if this has ever been described to you, but there's such a thing as 100 points um, on a record. And when you sign a record deal, in, in the days back when I was being signed, uh, five different times, that is, um, out of that 100 points, the record company will usually allot around nine or maybe 10 to the band. Now... Just look at that as percentages. So the band gets 9 or 10%, which usually two will go to the manager, two or three will go to the leader of the band, and the rest get split up between the remaining members. So for the head pins, I ended up with 1% of the profits, which that 90% that goes to the record company, that doesn't pay for what the record company invests in you with buses and tour jackets and hotels and stuff like that. My 1% paid for that. Wow. Yeah.
you have you have two boys. I do. And and um, they're they're much older now. What are they? Twenty three, twenty seven. Am I right on that? Uh, they're a little older than that, but uh, okay. close enough. Okay. Okay. Um, but there's a great story of your younger son, and he discovered somebody. Um, and he was telling you about that. I, I heard it on a on one of the podcasts. Can you can you tell the freaks about that story and who that person was? Because that's pretty cool. Uh, um, I I believe it's a story actually of my oldest son, and he was in grade seven. Yes, in grade yes. seven. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, he pulled me aside one day and he said, "Mom, this artist," and he said the name, uh, "is going to be playing at." Splashes in Kelowna, which was a nightclub in Kelowna, probably sat maybe 300 squished in. Um, and you got told, uh, can you get me in there? And I'm like, you're 13, you're 11 years old. And no, I cannot get you into a club. It's not up to me. You can sneak me in. I'm like, no, I can't sneak you in. Not going to happen. Um, I don't care who this artist is. Um, it's just not going to happen. It's illegal to have underage people in the club where they're selling alcohol. And so that was that. And he continued to play this artist's music continually in the house. And I became a fan of this this artist. And um, it was like two years later that I realized that I had told my son that no, I would not get him into the club to see Lady Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> We kind of missed out on that one, right? Kind of missed out on that one. And I became a huge Lady Gaga fan at the dismay of the Headpins, the band that I've been there, like, oh, flash in the pan. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, nope, nope. And um, I was asking you a question the other day about um, your dad. If you, you guys ever sang together, put out a CD together, and then you told me something about the Detroit Red Wings. What was that about? Like, uh, your dad was a professional hockey player? As well. He was. My dad, uh, um, at, uh, I think 19, if not younger, uh-huh. excuse me, um, got drafted by the Detroit Red Wings and moved him and my mom to Oshawa, where he played a season with the Oshawa Generals while waiting to be brought up to the Red Wings, unfortunately, at, I've got newspaper clippings of him playing with Mahovlich and, um, oh goodness, what's the other names of the players that went on. My dad ended up being uh, tripped and went headfirst into the boards, and I believe he was the, if not one of the first players to actually wear one of those leather helmets. Yeah, right? This was the original, original six teams when this happened. And wow. uh, so, yeah, his opportunity to actually get to Detroit. I think he went there for um, training, but this happened while while he was training. I do believe, if I've got the story right, my mom and dad are both gone now, so I can't clarify. And he never really spoke of it. It was uh, it wasn't until Alzheimer's took my dad that we started hearing stories. So it was hard to tell just how much of them were fact and and. But I, I do remember hearing hearing these when he still was of his sound mind. And uh, again, he didn't speak of it much. I'm not sure if he was disappointed in uh, not not being able to follow through, or if it just didn't mean anything to him because he went on to raise a family. And so, yeah, very 
very proud of my pa, who could have who could have been a singer too. Um, I heard that he had been asked to move to Vancouver as a young man because of his tenor voice and host singer on a uh, TV talk show that was going on at the time. And he turned it down because he had been drafted by the Red Wings. So you know how um, you know how they just recently how like Lisa Marie, Marie Presley rest in peace, but she did she did an iconic song with Elvis and the way she did it. And of course, Elvis wasn't alive at the time. It would be so cool if you had some recordings of your dad that you could actually do something like that. Man, I do not. Oh, it's too bad. I do not. Bad. I think that would be a pretty memorable moment. Uh, you know. Yes. Yeah, but uh, there, there's no such thing. And, and we tried later on, once um, once he wasn't quite himself anymore, to try and get him to sing, um, so that we had something of his voice. And uh, he just, he just wasn't himself anymore. Um, right. He lost him to COVID in 2021, um, unfortunately. Uh, but no, it's just a memory that we'll have to have and cherish in in our minds until we lose them. <laughs> our minds, that is. And have you, um, on another crazy note, have you ever looked up your nemesis, Tiffany, and actually had a conversation with her? I would be curious to, to hear that one. Yeah, I never have. I don't think that I was even a footnote in, in her life. I'm sure she didn't realize what had happened, um, that I'd lost my deal on, on account of her um, because all my representation at that label was no longer there. So, and if you think about it, why would a new A&R guy come into a company and uh, continue on with a project of the A&R guy who was no longer there? It, it, it didn't make sense. Uh, Mind-boggling, you know. isn't it? it is. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, uh, you know, she did really well for him. Uh, so what can you say? She, she wasn't a rocker, but she... Uh, no. Nope. She was the mall princess, and she sold all kinds of records to to the children of the day. So it worked for him. She did. She did. So I keep hearing about this press play project. Um, can you tell me a little bit about it that you okay. you, you were involved with? Yeah. Um, it started in November of 2019. I uh, got a group of uh, gentlemen together. All uber talented. It's a, it's a three-piece with me singing, so four in total. Um, all of these players are just the, the finest, finest of players, and they all live in the Okanagan, and uh, I was looking for something that I could do just to keep my voice in in shape, that leather that leather throat that I was talking about. When it doesn't work, um, I mean, you could sit and yell and scream in your basement, but I'd rather be singing, singing rather than yelling and screaming in the basement by myself trying to keep it in shape. So we put it together. It's a 60s and 70s look at the songs that my brothers and sisters were listening to when I was a kid and didn't know what music was, but they were embedded because I heard them all the time in my memory. And now I think those are the songs that that just taught me what music was originally and um, so there, a lot of them are a lot softer, uh, 60s tunes, um, uh, spooky and stormy, uh, songs like that that are just melodically brilliant. And um, some of the best players of the day were, were on these tunes, if not all the, <laughs> if, if not all the, the, the um, 
20 feet from, uh, 20 feet from stardom, uh, the, all the BG singers that never got credit for all the wonderful vocals they did with new faces or, uh, pony faces put on, on the songs, uh, and then the wrecking crew. A lot of these songs were played by the wrecking crew, but the bands, um, uh, you know, the promotion, how it works, fool the public is, is basically <laughs> anyway so we're playing all these really really great songs and we put it together hoping to just be able to hit the refineries or pardon me the wineries where there's tons of wineries in the Okanagan here um, and lots of them do wonderful shows where people just come to the chairs sip wine and, and sit back and it's like that's what this band was put together for it's not a dance band it is it is doing covers but it's to basically close your eyes and just listen to the music. And that's, uh, it's called press plays because that's what you would do at the time to hear these songs. You would press play on your tape recorder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's what it is. And, and, and I just, I love it. And we're in two weeks, we're going in to shoot our first video. Uh, and so I'm really excited about that. And hopefully uh, we can we can get that up and going. It, it was set not to be a traveling band. It was set just to be here in the Okanagan. But I got a feeling there's a few venues that would love to have this on the road. So we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I um, I actually inherited uh, the uh, the old tape recorder uh, and uh, from my, my grandfather. He passed away. And uh, I just... Getting in the radio, I, I, I kind of, that's where I started recording all my stuff. So I get the idea of the press play. Did you ever revisit Crazy on You, Heart? Have you ever, have you sang that since since then? Well, when I was in Steelback, we did heart tunes and stuff. No, I've never recovered heart. There's, I, I just commented on a heart and um, Mickey Thomas and um, Jefferson Starship playing whatever it is. <laughs> um, yeah. Did a, I just saw a post uh, on social media, and I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, another Heart Tribute band. And then I was like, oh, my God, it's not. It's actually Ann Wilson and Heart and Starship. But the promo for it, it was exactly the same as the five Heart Tribute bands I've seen. It fooled me. I thought it was a tribute band. Um, so uh, to answer your question, am I doing any heart? No, there's enough people out there doing heart right now. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. Um, so a little bit over the, all over the map, but that's okay. Um, cause you've probably done 500 interviews in your time. So it's always nice to have something a little off kilter. And, um, speaking of off kilter, um, when we come on to part three of this interview with Darby Mills, we're going to tell her what her actual number is, because Darby's actually into the science of numerology. And uh, uh, you're going to find out, Darby, that you're not a five. You're a three with a six attitude. 